Five-minute penalty to Chicago, a game misconduct, and then Manson having words with Stephen. And now, Butcher gets into it. We're going to have a brawl, folks. Stand by. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Tyler Cash here. This is another episode of Fourth Line Goon Hockey Podcast. I'm chilling in my apartment in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the middle of the desert, enjoying a nice Diet Coke, because it's way too early to be getting drunk. At least I feel like that today. How are you doing, bud? Good. In between work, out here in sunny SoCal, per usual, about 80 degrees, can't complain, not a cloud in the sky, it's all good. Yeah, it's only 87 degrees here instead of the typical Holy one. shit. I know, it's beautiful. Normally it's like 120 and my flesh is is being seared by the sun. But uh, yeah, it's beautiful right now. I hope it stays that way for 4th of July. It probably won't. Uh, you got any plans for the 4th? Uh, I think I'm still going to be heading out to Joshua Tree most likely. I think I found some people to go. And uh, I'll do that probably the second. Probably go, probably go out, hike on the 3rd, camp the night of the 3rd. And then come back, hang out with some friends on the 4th. That's kind of my game plan. So definitely a, a busy week for sure. Yeah, I was hoping that I could have uh, made the trip with you. You sent me that awesome Airbnb. It looks beautiful. Joshua Tree's next level. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully it's not a 1,000 degrees for you, though, because, I mean, you're out there in the middle of the desert. you got nothing but uh, stars and sun above you. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be beautiful. I, I'm, I'm staying in town. Um, Got to work, do a little bit of work, maybe watch some playoff hockey. And then for the fourth, I, I hear that they do like a fireworks display on the strip. So yeah. so we got a, a hotel down there. We're going to take a few days off. It's uh, me and the ladies anniversary. So, nice. yeah, just going to have a, a good couple of days with some uh, fireworks and some brews. But uh, before we get to that, we got uh, a lot of hockey to talk about. I think the last time we spoke, obviously, it was the semifinals. I think that I was being um biasly optimistic if that's if that's a good terminology to use uh regarding the series against the habs um yeah i mean my prediction was correct with at least uh tampa they wound up winning in seven with that one to nothing uh victory over um the islanders i guess let's let's start with that i mean we're going to talk about the nhl awards but i feel like we should wrap it all up uh bring everybody up to date first so any surprises with that uh matchup there or either matchup uh, you mean like after game one or? Yeah, no, I'm no, no. I'm going back to the semifinals. Let's let's bring okay, everybody okay. up to date before we we talk about where we're at. Obviously, the Islanders advanced. Or no, I'm sorry, they they did not. I'm sorry. Obviously, Tampa advanced over the Islanders, and the Habs advanced over the Knights. Uh, Habs did it in six. Bolts did it in seven. Uh, where were you at with your predictions? Does that seem about right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, obviously, the cynical guy was like, Habs, Isles, let's go. But I, I think I ended up saying it's it's probably going to be uh, Habs, Tampa, which ended up happening. But yeah, it's just like, I think the thing that surprised me was like game seven between Tampa and the Islanders, right? You literally, it's exact, it was the complete blueprint of a game that the Islanders would want to play against the Lightning. You literally shut everyone down. One goal game, literally only one goal in the game. But then how do you have your season end by allowing the only shorthanded goal you've allowed all season and playoffs combined? Like that's brutal. That's a yeah, terrible way to go out. Was that and that what period was that? I know it was Yanni Gord, obviously, and it was shorthanded. 
I think it was the I think it was the first or second. I know it wasn't the third. Um, seemed seemed pretty early on in the game, and there are a lot of fans out there that were saying that two two things that you can take away from that they were just caught in a horrible change is really what was going on. Like it seemed as if that pass was wide open to Yanni Gord, like just straight and center in the net. Like there was no way he wasn't going to bury that. But yeah. I know that some fans were kind of nitpicking and complaining that it might have been too many men. As as far as Tampa goes, because they, they were kind of like in this weird change. I, I mean, is that something that you would agree with? Or do you think that that's just kind of reaching? I mean, you look at it. I mean, the guys that are changing, yeah, there's five guys on the ice, but none of them are involved in the play. Like, uh, if that's not going to change what the outcome of that shot. You know what I mean? Like, I I mean, I, I, if you want to hang your hat on something, you can more than welcome to try. But yeah, I don't I don't think that was you know, something to call at all, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously that happened. Tampa's going on. They're obviously in the final. Um, and then obviously on the flip side, you have Habs Knights, where you have two storylines really that could for, for me, or I guess three, quite honestly, I think it'd be a combination of one Montreal's fourth line and you know the the Nick Suzuki trade comes back to kind of haunt you a little bit. Um, the young guys there are just you don't expect that. I don't think you can really expect any young guy like Cole Caulfield or Nick Suzuki to be thrust into a you know playoff atmosphere like that, not really expecting to even go anywhere this year and then perform, which is nuts. But then you have like the bottom line of Corey Perry, um, Eric Stahl, and and you know the other guy on that line too, um, just playing good it's not it's like they're not a, they, they can check but like they can actually still play which is interesting so i think you have that for number one even though it's kind of two points number two well these two i guess go together it's like then you have basically the top six who had i think four three or four goals in that in the whole series for over six games and you had carry price being carry price and just playing out of his mind um, I think those are the big three things that, that stand out for me. So, okay. So obviously disappointed in the outcome. If it weren't against the Knights, I, I could see myself rallying behind this, uh, Habs team because I mean, they're getting bloodied up, you know, they're playing old school hockey. They're, they're being aggressive, but like you said, they could still, they could still play. And I, you know, it hurts me to, to, um, compliment Corey Perry. I'm not a big Corey Perry guy myself, but you know, it seems uh, there were a couple opportunities where he was getting like high danger scoring opportunities and he just couldn't bury it. But I mean, yeah. you, really, you got to really step up on that. Um, for me, it comes down to, to the power play and it, it, the Knights were, I believe it came down to 9.3% on the power play. It was like four, four goals out of 41 opportunities the entire postseason. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even looking that up. That's not even like a note that we have in our chat here, that's just, that, that's going to haunt me. Those numbers are going to haunt me forever because like, I just remembered hearing that and I'm like, wow, that, that can't be correct. That sounds absolutely horrible. Um, and, and like you said, yeah, Nick Suzuki for Tatar and, and Tatar for Pacioretty, it, you know, people are saying that the Habs won that trade. And I mean, if they win the cup, yes. Uh, if, if they don't, and especially if they get their asses spanked here in the final, I don't feel so because, you know, Max Pacioretty, you know, is the team's leading goal scorer. Him and Mark Stone have awesome chemistry. Um, but as you mentioned, I think there were five, actually five goals total from forwards 
from Golden Knights forwards that series, and I think Cole Caulfield had yeah has four himself. Yeah. So in 16 games, he's got four goals, five assists for nine points. Um, I was actually trying to look up Nick Suzuki's uh, stats because, I mean, he was uh, he was playing awesome as well, and they're kind of showing that these like uh, these smaller, faster guys are able to dominate when you have like a team of these heavy hitters that are kind of surrounding them, playing a more aggressive style and protecting their opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't expect it. It's not the outcome that I wanted. I, I definitely respect them as a team. Uh, Habs fans are, are insufferable. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's just, so I don't know if like TikTok is just massive over in Canada or, or what? I mean, I know it's massive everywhere, obviously, but I started dabbling a little bit in the TikTok realm for the podcast, like posting videos and, and, uh, man, they're awfully cocky. They're a, they're a cocky fan base for, you know, ha- not having won anything since 93. Um, so yeah, it left a little bad taste in my mouth. And, and personally, I'm hoping Tampa just, you know, wipes the floor with them. And I, I, you know, we'll get to that. that that's obviously, we're going to talk about much more before we get to the Stanley Cup final. But yeah. Um, overall, you know, the right teams advanced it as much as that hurts me to say that. And uh, being a Golden Knights fan, I can see them making a lot of moves in the offseason. And, and if they wind up trading Pacioretty, which is kind of like that, he's like the the number one rumor right now. I don't know why they would do that other than him aging. I mean, I, I'm not stoked on that idea, but if they wind up trading him, uh, and they don't get much in return, or if it's just to kind of shed some salary cap in order to sign somebody else like Jack Eichel, right. I, then I know, yeah, then I'm going to side with the Habs on winning that trade. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, it's a long way to go. I mean, you look at it. I mean, I think long term, it's going to be hard to not say they, they don't win. Like, if you compare, oh, the Knights get maybe, you know, five years of Pacioretty, where the Canadians could get 15 years of of Suzuki, you know what I mean? But I mean, I get why you make, obviously we, we get why you make the trade. You're trying to win a cup and you're not thinking of the long term at that situation. So um, the part that stings is they kept Cody Glass and yeah. that he's he didn't even he was on the taxi squad. He, he didn't even crack the lineup when it came time for basically anything. He was given golden opportunities on a line on that top line with Mark Stone and Pacioretty. And he, he still couldn't put up points. He yep. was given given power play time and he was supposed to be like a specialist at it. And he, he just never really came around. So. I think that's the loss is they gave up Suzuki, which I believe was their 13th overall first round pick. Um, and they were trying to hold on to that sixth overall, probably because Suzuki's a winger and Glass is a center. So they were trying to have a little bit of center depth and like hope that he kind of evolved into the stud. It just never came around. But my counterpoint is Tatar has been a healthy scratch this entire time. Like I don't, I don't even know if he has played any. I mean, he might have started that first round. Yeah, but like he went like on a streak of some odd like 19, 20 games without a point. And like, yeah, that's I'm glad he's not on the Knights. So kind of getting rid of that contract, which they I remember the Golden Knights actually gave up like a lot to um, obtain him that first year. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's like you said, time will tell Is Suzuki the real deal. You know, are they going to continue to. be uh, a competitive team, the, these Habs that we're talking about? I don't know. Um, I, I feel like um, only time will tell. Obviously, we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves because I really want to talk about that game one. But let's, uh, let's talk about the NHL awards because like, those, are, those are things that we're going to kind of knock out, go down the line of all these awards that have been announced over 
uh, the span of like what has it been like a month? You say like they've been kind of doing it all postseason. A couple weeks, I feel like like it, sort of like towards the end of like the the semifinals. I feel like they they've been staggering it, but like isn't yeah. this like that? That's that's a new way of approaching it because normally we would have the NHL awards. Yeah, normally, so normally we'd be there. Right. Yeah. We actually <laughs> we've gone multiple times. That's how we met. Was uh was four years ago. You know, I've, I'm sure we've talked about it many times in the podcast, but. Uh, hopefully that comes back because I mean it's a lot of fun, especially now that I'm living out here. Um, yeah. So yeah, okay, let's talk about the NHL awards. Uh, Connor McDavid he wins the Hart Trophy. Uh, it's unanimous. He has a hundred first place votes. Uh, he's the only the second player in the history of the league to ever do that. He's joining Wayne Gretzky, obviously. Um, you know, no surprise there. Uh, Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid, and he had one hell of a year, even. In a shortened season, he managed to put up like what was that, 103 points or yeah, some so, something just north of 100 points, and yeah, next level crazy. Uh, the second place was Austin Matthews; he got 69, nice. Uh, second place votes, but yeah, other than that, no one really came close. Um, no surprise there for me. Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, if you take playoffs into account, obviously these awards would all be different, but they're regular season awards for a reason, so. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you, I mean, kind of almost puts up two points per game in a shortened season. I mean, it's nuts. It's a no brainer for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's crazy to think that he's been in the league. I think like what, six years, he's only 24. Um, and yeah, he's got a long, long way to go in his career. We'll see how he does in postseason in the future. That he's been a point per point, point per game player his whole career, but the team that he's on, that's a whole nother story. So, so he also won the Ted Lindsay, which I actually had to Google this cause I wasn't, um, I guess as educated on it as what I thought. So the Ted Lindsay award is for the best player in the league, like overall. Yeah. And, and then the heart trophy is that you're the most valuable player, I guess, to your team. Like you remove you from the roster. Your team is, is dog shit is basically yeah. the, the, is what I'm gathering from that. Um, <clears throat> Connor McDavid has had to have win won those awards before, yeah. I mean, I know he won an award that first year that he was in the league. Um, or, or maybe not the first year. He said he's been in the league six years now. Yeah. So is yeah. this 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 isn't his first Hart Trophy, is it? Um, I don't believe so. I feel um, like, I want to say no. Okay. Yeah, I I feel like that first year that we were at the awards. Um. Okay, so yeah, I looked him up. He's he won the Ted Lindsay Award the year we went. He won, so, yeah, he, he won, he won the heart in twenty sixteen seventeen as well. And he he so he's lo- he's won the Ted Lindsay two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, and two thousand twenty one, and then the heart that year as well, and the Art Ross Trophy. Yeah. So that so yeah, that's cr- crazy, crazy, and obviously as you said, his career is just starting. I'm sure we'll be talking about you know many many awards from here to come, but like uh, let's talk about uh, the next. Um, I feel like this is the next important award that has been announced recently, and it's a player that's been in the league 17 years. That's Mr. Mark Andre Fleury, won his first Vesna, first time in his career. Uh, he beat out Vasilevsky from the Tampa Bay Lightning by nine points. I believe it was 16 uh, first place votes. So it, it was really close, and I know a lot of people felt like Vasilevsky was the better goaltender. Um, their stats are pretty much identical. I, I think we talked about this before. It, it, it has to do a lot with Flurry just being a ray of fucking sunshine, like such a good dude. Uh, you know, he's 
genuinely loved by, uh, you know, everybody in the league for the most part. So I just think it was his time. Oh, I think it's a combination of things. I think, I mean, yeah, stats are pretty identical, but there's also like the whole recency bias thing to consider where it's like, you look at Vasilevsky's, um, you know, last six starts, you know, he only had one game with a 900 uh, above 900 save percentage. So it's like, you look at that, then you look at staff and it's like, oh, well, Flurry played great down the stretch. Vasilevsky's probably coasting more, you know, tune-ups for playoffs or, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, he faltered down the stretch. So Flurry was, you could say, it was a more consistent goalie or whatever. Again, recency bias probably takes a bit of, a bit of play here. But, um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I don't think Vasilevsky's probably cares too much, especially being in a cup final. But then also he's only 26, so he's probably going to be up for that award a handful of times throughout the rest of his career. So. Yeah, and being 36 for Flurry, and he hasn't even made the finals up until he didn't make the final three um, candidates up until this year. Uh, so good for him, man. It's awesome. He had that real heartfelt speech after he won, you know, saying he wishes that he was able to tell his dad about it, which is, yeah. you know, chokes you up because, you know, it makes you wonder if he if that was going through his head when he, when they were playing in Montreal. Um, Obviously, he had that flub that one could argue the Knights could have pulled it together and won had they, you know, he had not messed that up. Um, so clearly it's on his mind. I mean, it's something grief is something that, you know, never goes away, um, especially when you're uh, in a high stress job such as a, a, an NHL goalie like those guys are known to kind of be head cases. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm a huge fan of Flurry. Obviously, he's. Um, not only for him being the goaltender of the team that I, you know, I love dearly, but he's just so much fun to watch. He's one of the last um, goaltenders to play his style. And, you know, that as much as we preach uh, aggressiveness and, you know, fighting and, and toughness and hockey, like I, I love that style of goaltending. It's fun to watch. Sure. Yeah. It can be nerve wracking at times, but I mean, in a league where we're filled with, you know, the Robin Leonard's and the Ben Bishops that just are monsters that just kind of fill the net. Yep. You know, he's fun to watch. So the fact that this is his first Vesna is surprising to a lot of people, but I'm glad he, uh, he finally pulled it out. Um, so yeah, moving on Adam Fox for the New York Rangers. He wins the Norris. Um, a lot of people have been talking about how he's, he's blossomed into just a, a dominant force back there, uh, on defense. Um, He's the first Jewish player to ever win that award. And I believe uh, any major any, award, any major award in the league, which is just, that's awesome. You know, love to hear um, any sort of story regarding uh, news when it comes to the sport. I, I'm, I love seeing uh, stuff like that acknowledged and just change moving forward. Cause like Adam Fox, I, I'm not, I'm looking it up as we speak. I don't know when he was drafted. 2016, um, 2016 was a third, third round pick by Calgary. And he basically, they got him um, from a trade with Carolina for a, a second round and a third round pick. And you have a Norris winner. That's nuts. Yeah. And I, I had him in fantasy and just a killer season, man. Five goals, 42 assists for 47 points in a shortened season. And on, team, on a shit team. Right. And on top of that, he's his plus minus is 19. Yeah. And this is like a top seated defenseman that's probably playing something, you know, I would assume 25 minutes plus a night, yeah. you know, like he's, he's out there a lot. So good for him, man. Like he's been, uh, 
he's been great. And I mean, he's only been in the league now um, two year. years, yeah. two years. So good for him. I, I think we're going to see, uh, uh, man, the New York Rangers, they, they just, they have a, a lot of uh, scary players on, on paper. So I, I think that we'll see him blossom. We'll see the team continue uh, to be in an upward motion when it comes to progress. Hopefully. Um, I mean, I know I've been preaching them now the last two postseasons, and they haven't really done shit. But yeah, good for him. I think that that was the obvious winner. Um, I, I know uh, I, I don't have it pulled up, but I think Makar might have been the second place vote or, or something of, of, of that nature. Some, something that would have been a little bit more predictable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, good to see somebody uh, kind of out of left field pull it together and win it this year. That's awesome. Uh, moving on. We already talked about Connor McDavid and the 10 Lindsay uh, Kaprizov. He won the Calder trophy, which is also a landslide. Did I think, did he get, was it an unanimous, like a hundred votes or, or damn near close, right? It was 99. And then Jason Robertson, who came in second, got the, uh, got the, uh, the one first place vote that he got. So. Oh, and wasn't it the Penguins GM? That, uh, that, I think I saw people hounding him being like, oh, okay. Way to way to blow it, like so kind of situation. I I know when it came to like uh, like voting for like first all star team or whatever, that like every single writer across the board for center put Connor McDavid, but then the one like writer from Pittsburgh put Sidney Crosby, which makes no sense. Like okay. Sidney Crosby, but like I mean, look who you know, look at production, you know, like silly. Yeah, no, I that's what I was thinking of. Um. You and I have both expressed that Kaprizov, like, he's, what, 25 years old? He's been playing in the KHL for a while now. It seems kind of silly that he was even eligible for the award. Um, 24, but yeah, I mean, he had, like, six professional years of, you know, in the second best hockey league in the world. Yeah, so it's like, it's not like he was jumping in, you know, to cold water here. Like, the guy had experience underneath him he's clearly the best player on the minnesota wilder he was i guess is he a ufa now or is he an rfa i guess they own the rights to him but he doesn't he's an rfa so he doesn't have to play and apparently he's kind of like holding it over their head and he's like currently considering his options as far as um whether he can play in the olympics and and go back to the khl i guess so um yeah i mean that would be a big loss for the wild yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, the fact that you heard a bun thing about it and nothing since, I mean, it's probably just, you know, um, I, I guess, you know, probably a situation where he's probably going to use it as leverage. But I think the other thing is, I think when he gave his acceptance speech, he was in uh, he was in Siberia. Um, so, I mean, he still wasn't in the country. He was still in Russia. So something to potentially look at. Who knows? So. Uh, that's a discussion way down the road, obviously. So, um, so I mean, do you, do you feel as if like maybe he's just kind of like it's a tactic to get more money? Like, I mean, that's his one point of leverage, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. I mean, you know, so if you don't give me what you don't give me what I want, I'm not coming back to your team. I mean, it's hard to hard to argue against that. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I mean, it's we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I can't really think of a situation off the top of my head too much where a player leveraged a KHL contract. That's like a, a star player, if you will, and left. I mean, you could maybe say Kovalchuk kind of towards end of his career. Datsuk, same thing, but he kind of wanted to go back. 
Um, but it'll be interesting to uh, to see how it plays out for sure. Well, and I, I guess Gusev is kind of a similar situation in a sense that he 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 didn't like come here and then go back to the KHL, but he was just kind of holding out. Um, yeah. and his rights were traded. I believe. Um, I actually can't remember where his, where his rights were obtained, but I know they were traded to the Knights, who then traded him to the Devils, and then he mm. finally came over. So yep. yeah, I guess, I guess those guys do. You know, you do have another league that you can go play for. Um, and a lot of those guys are all all skill, no grit. So yep. like playing in the KHL is 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 being and being a superstar for them isn't the the worst second option plan B, if you will. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving on. The Jack Adams award went to Rod Brindamore, uh, hurricanes head coach, uh, their record. They had 80 points in the shortened season. It was 36 wins, 12 losses and eight overtime losses. Uh, th- I guess they were the head of the central, right? They won the central division. Yes. So they were over the Panthers, over the lightning. Um, Hell of a year for them. You know, they're a fun team to to watch and, and to support. They're, they don't really seem to offend a lot of people. And unless your name's Don Cherry, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was the right choice. What about you? Yeah, I mean, how do you I mean, I, it's hard to argue against that team that, you know, expected them to do OK, but like in a division, you know, that they were in with, you know, the revamped Panthers, the Lightning themselves, like did not see them winning that division. I don't think many people did, if at all. But uh, yeah, I mean, you got to give him credit where credit's due. And obviously, he just got an extension here as the coach, I think, for what, three more years for the, the Hurricanes. So, I mean, good for him. He's definitely a, a players first type coach. And I think everyone, it's safe to say, probably all the players love him. So, um, can't really, uh, can't really, you know, fault him for that. So, wasn't he on the team too when they, when they won their only cup? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just kind of cool. Like, it seems like he's got a good attachment to his players. He, as you said, he's a player's coach. Blues uh, legend. <laughs> Blues legend. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a great uh, choice for the Jack Adams this year. Um, Barkoff won, uh, won the Selkie. He won that over Bergeron and over Mark Stone, which I believe that was like the 10th year in a row that Bergeron was did either he was either nominated or won, if that's yeah. correct, something like that. So. It, it's, it tends to be a centerman's award. Uh, a lot of people were, were outspoken regarding like how hard it might be for a winger to take on uh, that prestigious award. Uh, some, some of us were bummed out that Mark Stone um, didn't receive more votes. Uh, I mean, but it's hard to argue, you know, Florida had a hell of a year. Barkoff is a hell of a player. Yeah. And he's no longer one of those underestimated players. Like he's kind of a stud at this point. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I feel like he's always been playing in Florida in a non-traditional market where you don't have the biggest fan base. He's always been a guy. I thought it's been an amazing player. Uh, obviously, great to see the the recognition come through, and now a lot more people are are definitely gonna recognize him more. It's especially out in the West because I feel like more people in the East, when being playing in the Eastern Conference, are aware of who he is and how good he is. But now that you win the win the Selkie. Um, things are probably change a bit more, probably get a little more notoriety around the league, which I think is obviously a good thing for him. So. Absolutely. So uh, the Bill Masterson trophy, which I have always been a big fan of, because I think it's, uh, it's great to see these athletes doing 
bigger things than putting, you know, a circular object in a net. I think it's awesome that they use their uh, status quo, I guess, if you will, to do good things for uh, those around them. And in case you don't know, the Bill Masterson Memorial Trophy is rewarded annually to the player who best exemplifies in qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and the dedication to ice hockey. So basically, it, it just seems like somebody that is just an all-around good dude. You know, he's good for his team. Uh, he's kind of um, just, like I said, overall, just a great player and a great person. And that went to Oscar Lindblom this year from the Flyers, obviously. He had his bout with cancer. Um, uh, forgive me, I, I can't remember what kind of cancer. I believe it was leukemia. Leukemia, um, which is just, I mean, we all watched his battle. Um, thought it was awesome the way that they honored him uh, through the season as well uh, as, as through this award. And uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't think of a better person. Obviously, Dumba has been doing a lot of great things for raising awareness. Um, for the communities uh, outside of that as well. So I think, I believe he was the second place option, but to me, it was a no brainer that Limblom would take this, this trophy this year. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, yeah. And to speak to it more, um, it wasn't technically, uh, not to harp on it, but it wasn't, uh, leukemia. It was, it was Ewing sarcoma, which it actually occurs in the bone itself, as opposed to, I guess, leukemia is in the, it happens in the bone marrow. So, uh, Way rarer, but still awesome to see him overcome it. You know, be healthy, be able to play hockey, the game that he loves. You know, you can't can't do anything but respect that. You know, yeah. And it says here on on Wikipedia, it is often awarded to a player who has come back from a career or even life threatening illness or injury. So yeah. that just that just sounds like uh, the definition of the right choice and for him to be already playing with the team here, uh, like what a year after diagnosis, it's just awesome. Love to see that. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess the last award, we're not really talking about every single award. I just, I put notes in here for, for some of the ones that, that seem to stand out more than others. And, uh, the last one I wanted to talk about, um, was the lady Bing. It went to Jacob Slavin. Uh, I just thought it was funny. The reason being is like the lady Bing is usually, given to the player that is the best like sport. Yeah. Like the least amount of penalty minutes. And he only had one two minute penalty, which was for a delay of game for, for launching the puck over the, over the glass. So I thought that was kind of cool on, on Twitter. They posted a video and they're like, Oh, here's our big, bad lady Bing trophy recipient, you know? Um, so yeah, it makes sense. One, two minute penalty. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that that's probably the best in the league considering the amount of minutes he was playing. Yeah, exactly. He played, I think, the most minutes on his team. And then, yeah, got the puck over glass penalty. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is, is Jared Spurgeon. He ended up in second. So Slavin in first had 73 first place votes. Spurgeon in second had one first place vote. But then Austin Matthews ended up third, but he had eight first place votes. Obviously, meaning Spurgeon got more of the second place vote than anyone else. But um, yeah, kind of funny to see that like more people thought that, you know, at least from a first place perspective, Austin Matthews was was better than Spurgeon. I honestly wonder if he'll uh, if he'll ever if he will ever win that award again, Austin Matthews, after the whole uh, you know oh, yeah. or mooning <laughs> incident in the off season. But we'll we'll see if that ever plays the, against him. Well. Yeah, the mooning incident. Uh, it, you know, I don't. When I think of Lady Bing, I really don't. I don't feel like Austin Matthews is there. Um, 
I mean, he, he doesn't have that many penalty minutes. Looks like he had 10 this year. Um, he's kind of always danced around that, you know, that mark. Um, right. It's average of about 10 penalty minutes a year. I mean, he's not like a, a dirty player by any means, but he definitely can be like overly confident and cocky and, you know, instigating, you know, other players. So I, I yeah, I think that that was the right, the right call uh, as far as that award goes to. Um, and that about wraps up, you know, majority of the NHL awards that we wanted to touch base on. Um, and it brings us up to date with what's going on. Obviously, game one of the Stanley Cup final. We already mentioned it was the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Montreal Canadiens. That took place on Monday, and we saw a 5-1 to one victory from the Tampa Bay Lightning. There were two goals from Kucherov, uh, which I just I had to make that note considering Kucherov missed the entire regular season, and he's still a postseason madman. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, no surprise for me. Uh, I, they're a juggernaut. They're a powerhouse. I, I'm going to be very surprised if we don't uh, see more games like this. Yeah, I mean, it's game one. I mean, teams obviously don't play each other all year. You can see that for all the other series outside of the, yeah, I guess, for the last round, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's also the, you know, probably throwing your team off, too. And I think what it was, I think it was Joel Armia. He had the whole, like, COVID test, and then they were like, yeah, he's out. Um, and then he's like, just kidding. He cleared. We're flying him on a private jet to the Tampa, trying to get him in for the game. I guess didn't make it or didn't get in. So he's going to be good for game two. I mean, obviously that's one player. It doesn't change, you know, the probably the whole outcome of the game. But he's definitely more of a of a of a puck manager on the ice, if you will. Uh, which, if anything, helps Montreal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the the move the story here is going to be you're going to have to have Carey Price probably step up and win you this series again and you know granted didn't happen yesterday but it's one game i think the last uh the last three cup champions um tampa what blues and washington they all lost game one of the cup final to go on to win so you know history is on their side if you want to if you want to look at anything there so at least recent history, because yeah, I, I, yeah. I think the normal stat is something like 79%. It's I, think, like, I think it's around 70, but yeah, still crazy lopsided, obviously. Right, yeah. And I mean, as you said, it's just one game, whether they lost, you know, 7-1, to one, like the, the Knights lost to the Avs that first game. It doesn't matter. It's just a loss. It's one loss. You know, that's what's great about a seven-game series is we get to see... Um, hopefully a roller coaster, you know, I mean, I'm not really ready for hockey to be over. I mean, as much as I want to see the halves wiped out, um, playoff hockey is the best. Yep. Uh, it's exciting to see, especially when you got the halves that are all bloodied up. Like somebody made a joke on Twitter that they made like a blood oath because that last game Gallagher joined, uh, joined Corey Perry and uh, Petrie with a uh, bleeding on the ice after I think he like face planted or something like that. I didn't actually see the play. That's gotten a scrum and just kind of fell on his head, honestly, and kind of cracked it open a little bit, but I mean, he seems fine, which is obviously good news, but um, yeah, that's, that's basically what happened. Yeah. It, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing tough. They're hanging tough. They're, they're gritty. They're more of an aggressive team, but yeah, it's hard to go against Tampa. They're fast. I mean, that, that fifth goal was just nasty. It was just yep. like that one timer over was just crazy. And, and they never let up. That's the one thing I, I retweeted it too. I saw this. So when they were up by three, so I guess it might've been four to one 
at that point, they were on the power play. They had a five on three power play and they put five forwards on the ice. Yeah. Like that is just savage. Like that is in, insane. They're not, they're not letting up They're They're competitive as fuck. And I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all. I guess we'll see tonight what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, do you have any predictions? I mean, do you think the Canadians are going to come out swinging? I mean, what do you what do you expect from Game Two? I think I think scoring will go down. I think I'm taking. Oh, I mean, I look it up. I haven't looked it up yet. But whatever the under is, I would definitely take the under. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think it's probably more of like a, a three-two type of game tonight. Um, hard to see the Canadians not coming out with the push like they tend to to start the game. Over under is five, actually. That's very surprising. But yeah, I mean, wow. I could, I could, I could see it being a three-two, you know, two-one type of a game. Quite honestly, um, you know, everyone kind of knows what to expect now and can adjust and adapt accordingly. But uh, yeah, that that's that's kind of my thoughts on things in, in terms of what to expect. Just something low, someone low scoring, something tight, close game, and then kind of see uh, see who takes it. Quite honestly. Man, at the over under being five though, like that's crazy. Like normally yeah. you, you, they give that half just to kind of level it out. Um, awfully tempting, awfully tempting. Um, so I, I looked up the all time record uh, between these teams by decade, and it seems that the only time the Canadians had a winning record against Tampa Bay was in the nineties. So like when they when they were um, when they won the cup. You know, probably more than likely a stronger team. One could argue in, in the 2020s, uh, it's been a five and zero record between these teams. Um, the 2010s and 2000 uh, 2000s were were obviously much closer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of kind of interesting. As you said, these are teams that um, they they may not play all the time. They don't meet up. You know, they haven't played each other yet this postseason uh, or this season, just because of how the divisions have lined up. Man, I. I am so looking forward to a regular season like that. I think that that's the most exciting thing for all of us is just to be stoked that we're going to have another full season. Uh, what is it? 82 games normally and, and teams playing each. other and, and and not just so yeah i mean one more point i wanted to make was kucherov came yep. in the regular season correct not one and messed up i think it was you last podcast you mentioned that the cba has already been agreed upon yeah. like for yeah. so it's like they're gonna make this adjustment where you have to be cap compliant. Like I, we might not actually see that change in the rules so, happen. What's interesting is I read something on Twitter, which I saved it, but I believe it was back in, when did the Blackhawks last win their cup? Was it 2015? Um, I want to say that's right, but whatever the last year, I think that they won their cup. Yeah. 2015. Um, they were, I think 5 million over the cap. Um, in the playoffs, they kind of had a similar situation, obviously not to the degree of where Tampa's at right now. But um, what's funny is in the offseason, uh, that same offseason, Tampa Bay went and said, hey, this is bullshit. We need to change this. You know, are you guys, are you guys with me? And they were the only team that, that went and said something about it and everyone else just didn't say anything. And now, ironically, unironically, whatever, five years later, 
they uh, they're taking full advantage of it. So they tried to stop it. No one wanted to. No one wanted to stop it. And here we are. So yeah, I saw that as well. And I mean, good point. You know, this is this isn't news. And teams have been doing it little by little every year. They were just the first uh, to to kind of just reach in, you know, and grab. It's like it's kind of like they were the people that went to a pizza party, and instead of being like the the nice friend that walks up and grabs like one slice and makes sure that the rest of the room has like an equal amount of slices, they just kind of double fisted. Yeah, you know, it's like they just went all in. They were like, you know what? I'm I'm kind of tired of watching uh, these teams, you know. Um, take the bigger slices every every time we get together, and so like we're just gonna we're gonna go all in. We want to have a back to back, and uh, and it's looking like they're gonna do that. And which is crazy because if they do pull this off, then Pat Maroon is the you know a three time Stanley Cup champion, and that's just nuts. It's crazy, you know, being from South County and and playing in the same you know roller leagues and rinks like growing up. Like the fact that this guy who's been a fourth line grinder you know, majority of his career is going to have three cups with two different teams in three years. Um, yeah. Madness. Absolutely madness. Uh, any Anything else you want to talk about before? Uh, I mean, w- regarding the series, uh, before we move on to a little bit of sad news, I guess. I mean, stories just, I mean, sad stories. Series just getting started. I mean, you're going to have to see how it shakes out over this next game or two. And then obviously it's easy to, to make decisions after that, but I think we just got to sit back and take it. And it's the last hockey of the year. Going to have hockey in July. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Absolutely. Uh, actually, I guess before um, we, uh, well, no, I, I we got to talk about it. So obviously if you're a hockey fan, you're familiar with the Blackhawks scandal that's going on. Um, which is just disgusting. And it was during that. Was it during the last playoff run that they had, or was it the one in 2010? I believe it was 2010 from when this 20, all happened. So uh, a couple of unidentified players stepped forward and said that, um, or unanimous, I should say, that they uh, were victims of sexual assault when it came to one of the coaching staff. I believe it, w- it was in a video coaching staff. If I believe I'm getting, so, yes. If I'm getting the facts correct. And it was during the playoff run, and the team decided to basically sweep it under the rug because they didn't want to deal with it at the time. They didn't want any bad publicity, uh, and they ignored it. And so I, if I'm correct, during the off season, that particular coach was quietly let go yeah. and, and went and seeked out another job. And I guess, like, had they quietly let him go, it would be one thing, but the fact that they gave the letter of recommendation for him to go to another job. And then this guy went on to be an even bigger creep or at least continue to do what he's been doing and putting um, these kids at heart in harm's way. is just disgusting. Yeah. Agreed. So I don't know why it took so long. I, I think you and I, uh, we spoke, I mean, didn't this surface like a couple of years ago a little bit, or I mean, I, or am I making that up? I can't remember off the top of my head. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but um, it just wasn't talked about in great length, I guess. And now it's been yeah. brought, it's been brought to light probably because of this most recent uh, scenario that has unfolded, I guess, with other victims. So, yep. uh, you know, and the Blackhawks have not made a statement 
Gary Bettman has made a very brief statement saying that he'll talk more when when the facts are facts. But I, I don't understand how these aren't facts. Right. Per- personally. I mean, what's your take on the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing for an allegation. It's nothing to have multiple players and other people in the organization, you know, kind of confirm what happened. You know, I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, it's it's more of taking the, the political stance of I'm the commissioner. I'm not going to speak on a matter that's not determined, really. But, um, yeah, I mean, really shitty across the board to do something like that. Um, just not uh, not too great there, I feel like, in terms of uh, in terms of, of, of how they're approaching it and not really making a statement on you know, a lot of it, but I mean, at the same time, you don't want to really respond to negative publicity. I get it. But at the same time in this day and age, like you can't just ignore it. So, um, yeah, I think the thing that was really awkward too was, um, I think it was, uh, Oh God, what award was it for? Um, God, I don't know. I can't remember the top of my head, but it was, it was whatever award was won ended up like getting handed out. I think it was yesterday by like Patrick Kane, like on the, on the call. And then all the comments were basically like, read the room NHL. Like your team has an ongoing sexual, you know, assault abuse scandal. You're using somebody in an awards video days after this has come out. That has also been allegedly accused of different things on, on his side sexually. Um, like what the hell are you doing basically? So, uh, pretty tone deaf from the NHL. Um, a lot of sports are, are like this, unfortunately, when it comes to these incidents, but, um, yeah, there's a chance to recognize your, your shortcomings as a league and actually start to do something about it. I think this is probably a a good spot to do so. What do you think is worse? Do you think it's worse to just be quiet about it right now? Or do you think that if they came out and said, look, we're aware of the, of the scenario, we're aware of the allegations. Uh, we we just want to take time to reflect and and to properly address this. Like, do you think that they're worried about saying that and like having an official statement? And people being like, okay, well, you're you were you had enough time and effort to put it put together this like half-ass statement, but like, where's the real thing? Or do you think it's it's worse to just kind of be quiet? Well, I think it's also an issue if it's, if it's becoming a legal thing, which probably. Well, I, I wonder if it will or not, just because of statute of limitations, but. If it becomes a legal thing, um, no, actually, I think it would because I think everything stemmed uh, prior after 2010, obviously, with him getting hired on and getting, you know, good references and whatnot after he left the Blackhawks. Um, it's probably becoming a legal matter, so you probably don't want to say too much publicly either. So um, probably advice of attorneys, lawyers, whatever the case may be. But that's that's probably my guess that, you know, if, if that wasn't that case and, you know, if it's something that happened, you know, 15 years ago, you can probably come out with a statement. Uh, if it happened, you know, last year, five years ago, in this case, 11 years ago, I mean, that's kind of borderline. But the problem is the timeline doesn't just involve 2010. It involves stuff well after that and outside of the NHL. So, like, you can't fully comment on the entire scope of things, I feel like, because you probably don't have all the information or true facts, and you're gathering those from the outside perspective. Um and trying to determine what all's going on. And then again, like I said, the legal aspect of it, uh, I probably can't say too much publicly. That makes sense. And, and these, this day and age, you really have to be careful what you say. Yep. So if, if they did 
say something because even Batman's comments seem a little insensitive, but I'm sure he didn't mean it that way. But, you know, people already have this perspective of him and the fact that the league has been quiet. And he he kind of just said, you know, just the, the use of the terminology will we'll wait for facts. It, yeah. it just, that just sounds wrong. And, and it might not have even meant to be intended that way. But, yeah, you have to be very careful. So I guess it makes sense. In some situations, it is important to be quiet, at least until you're not able to anymore. But right. that original scenario though no that's not right you you shouldn't be quiet for a decade about something like that um the fact that you said it's, it's happening these issues are still happening recently yeah that you want to be more careful but it, i feel like it's messed up that it wasn't addressed earlier by the league yeah. um considering they knew the situation i guess they they, I, they probably thought they rectified the situation by um dismissing uh the accused guy of the scenario but yeah, I I think that the Blackhawks are in for like a, a like a, a a cruel awakening, dude. Like they're between that, like everyone's kind of digging back up their name and the logo again. It seems like they're like really in hot water because they they were they were pretty stern. Like they doubled down on the like, hey, we're not changing our name. Like we're not being disrespectful. We don't feel that this is racist. And then like you piss people off again, and now people are kind of questioning your your whole organization. Um, yeah. So yeah. Very interesting to see how they're going to handle it moving forward. Um, we have one more sad thing to talk about. Um, unfortunately, Pasternak's uh, child that he had with his girlfriend um, passed. Um, there's not really much to say about it. You know, it's it's a really shitty uh, part of life, uh, unfortunately. And I guess, you know, I just want to, you know, wish him and his family the absolute best during, you know, arguably one of the worst scenarios you could be placed in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely shitty. I mean, as Blues fans, I think back in, in 2018, um, or I think it was prior to 2018, but um, I think it was 2017 where Petrangelo and his wife were pregnant, and then there were complications with the pregnancy, and then, unfortunately, I think it ended up being a stillborn, which obviously is terrible, but... He got very lucky and now has triplets, so there's at least a happy ending there for him. But um, yeah, for Pasternak, I mean, having your child born and you know a week later they're 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 gone is absolutely heartbreaking and and horrible to hear and and you know read about and and see the Instagram posts like it's it's brutal. But um, all you can do is hope that you know they they get able to try again. Things are are successful for them and. You know, just kind of, you know, move on from it is really all you can do. There's, there's, you know, not a whole lot, like you said, can be said or done or talked about, but just feel, you know, how shitty of a feeling that could be. I mean, that's something you'd never wish upon anyone, I feel like. So, uh, yeah, thoughts, prayers, everything obviously goes out to him and his family. Hope, hope all's good there. And, you know, he can, uh, you know, get back to, uh, somewhat of a normal life and not have to, you know, not necessarily worry about it too much, but move on from, from everything that happened there. And if you want to look at like a silver lining regarding it, it's great that they're no longer playing and that he he can be with his lady and he can be with his family right now and not have to worry about, you know, being balls deep in the Stanley cup final. Um, So yeah. uh, You know, as you said, thoughts and prayers and our hearts go out to um, pasta and his family Uh, to lighten it up before we get into the questions. Um, this is something I want to talk about. There's no solid, uh, evidence to prove that this is, uh, that this is necessarily going on. I've seen a lot of, uh, some, a lot of unfounded 
whack bogus rumors regarding Tarasenko. Um, but it does seem that he did notify the team, or at least they asked him if he would be willing to rate, uh, to waive his no trade clause. Uh, a lot of teams are probably thinking outside the box with the upcoming expansion draft less than a month away. Um, I'm assuming the Blues approached Tarasenko and said, look, we're not going to protect you, or there's a possibility of us not protecting you. Is there a team that we can send you off to to where you'll be happier and we can kind of part on good terms? At least that's how I how I see it. Um, and yeah, so there's these rumors going around that he he gave them a list of teams that he well, would like to go to. Uh, th- what, what do you think? Well, I think with Tarasenko, he's got a full no trade clause, so you have to protect him. So, uh, so I, t- I texted you that earlier because yeah. I, th- I thought the same thing uh, and I looked into it and apparently that is not the case. It is only in a no movement clause. So yeah. in a, in a, in a uh, no trade clause, you have to be per- like you, like you could be up for being taken. It, to me, it doesn't make any sense because to, it, it sounds like it's a lot of the same, but I guess the no movement clause means like you can't be moved at all. Like you can't yeah. be, you can't be sent down. Um, and, and you're, el- you, you know, you can't be eligible for any sort of drafts or any expansion, but yeah. he, okay. That makes sense. So, so in a no trade, yeah, he, um, he doesn't need to be protected, um, no. which is an interesting take. So moving forward now that we know that knowledge, um, what do you, what do you think? Like, do you think that they try to move him to a team that he'll be happy with, or, or like, regardless, he's just going to kind of be, you know, swooped up by the Kraken. What do you, what do you, how do you see his future unfolding? Yeah. I mean, you kind of laid it out exactly like that where it's like, Hey, you know, this is probably a reality of, of, of the situation. Um, we're going to leave you, you know, unprotected. You probably don't like, you know, if he probably doesn't want to go to Seattle where would you be okay going to alternatively to kind of at least obviously give him a uh, a say, if you will, and uh, and where he goes? So I think the four teams that were came up were the Knights, the Bruins, the Islanders, and I think it was the Hurricanes. Is that right? Yeah, and I yeah. I couldn't find any like blue check mark that said that. Yeah, right. It's all, speculation. it's all speculation at this point. So I I don't know. I mean, those are all contending teams. Uh, so, I mean, I could see him saying he want. I mean, I, I would assume that he would give them a much larger list because I mean, he's not a, a complete and utter untouchable superstar, you know, like he's approaching right. 30 years old. He, his contract is, is kind of on the higher end of things. I think he's making almost 8 million for the next two years. Yeah. So I, I would imagine if, if they wanted to get anything out of Tarasenko, their best option is to kind of find a team that would be willing to give them any sort of a draft pick if they retain salary. And, and that's, the, that's the trouble. the troublesome part too, is it's like, yeah, you know, if we get a draft pick and we're retaining, you know, 30%, 40%, 50%, like would the blues rather do that or just let him go for not getting anything, but then saving the cap space. There's obviously two ways to look at it. So, and what if you leave them unprotected and, and then they don't take them? Exactly. So yeah. that so then you still have them, and I mean, I that, to me that's what I think I would do personally, though. Like I would leave them if you want them, if you want to shed that seven five million dollar contract, leave them unprotected, and see what happens. And worst case scenario, you just got them on your team for the next two years, 
it's not like he's not performing. I mean, when he's healthy, like he's your leading goal scorer, you know, like he, the problem is he hasn't been healthy in, you know, multiple seasons. He's had three, I believe three different shoulder surgeries. And then there's rumblings about how he's had some lower body concerns as well. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's worth the risk. I, I, I think retaining salary is horrible for teams. Like it's just, it'll haunt you for, for many years. Cause you can only pay off a certain amount every year, like a per- certain percentage of the contract. It's not like you can just, you know, pay it and be done with it. Or like, you know, even have that for the amount of time. Like I think it can, in some situations can even extend past the original contract. Cause yeah. you're only, you're only allowed to pay a certain amount. I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but you know, that's just, yeah, I, to me, I bite the bullet. It's not the worst contract in the world, but at the same time, I could see one of these contending teams like the Islanders or the, or the Knights willing to take him on for like four, you know, half, half the cost. So, I mean, I guess it just depends on who you're looking to protect, which, you know, you and I have spoken, we're definitely going to have a full episode talking about our predictions when it comes to the expansion draft and who teams are going to like go out of the way to protect. But yeah. Um, I mean, do you see him? I guess the real question here is, is do you see him wearing a blue note next season? Uh, it's 50-50 in my eyes, quite honestly, to put it simply. I just I don't know if the return is going to be out there with a, a flat cap to trade him away and retain that salary. I don't know if the Kraken are going to want him in the expansion draft. Who knows if the Blues try to sweeten the pot to make that happen. Uh, yeah. So... I have it 50-50 in my head. What would you like to see as a fan? I mean, it's tough because if he leaves, who do you who do you replace him with, right? That, that's the key thing. Um, and then you also have the threat of the way Mike Hoffman was treated. He probably wouldn't come back, most likely, I feel like, anyway. But he would be he would be the replacement. He yeah, would if 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 he would be okay with it, the way you know, getting scratched late in the season and dealing with all that stuff around the trade deadline, who knows? But I mean, as a fan, I would say like it's it's tough because it's like you could bring him back this year, see what he does. You know, if 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 things go good, um, you have him for another year. If things don't go good, you have him for he's got last year of his contract. Maybe someone takes him for, you know, something really small return wise to see if he has anything there. If he retains salary, who knows? But I mean, that's that's what I would probably like to see as a fan is just have him come back one year, see if he actually is or can be healthy. And then if not, you know, he's kind of been, you know, that guy who's been here really outside of everyone that's left. He's really been that guy. I, I feel like, you know, that's been here throughout everything, the ups and downs, the you know, losing in the playoffs, losing to to the Sharks in the Western Conference Finals, winning the cup. He's like the only one I feel like it's been around that whole like seven, eight year span on the team. So like it's like if you get rid of him, you kind of lose the whole, you know, history of the blues, if you will, over the last, you know, eight years, if you will. But uh, you know, then it's more maybe of a changing of a guard in terms of everything at that point. So Yeah, for sure. Uh I mean it seems to me that he's kind of um a team could benefit with him on the power play too. I, think, I mean, yeah, I think what's scary too is as blues, they only have, I mean, granted again, the regular, the off season hasn't started, but as of right now, the blues only have one forward signed 
for the 2023-2024 season. That's Braden Shen. So two years from now, as of currently, the Blues have no forward signed long-term. Only two years. No of, of Ryan O'Reilly, I guess, and Perron, they have each a year left? Or? Well, it's Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko each have two. And then Braden Shen got his, I think, seven-year deal or whatever it was. Right. Um, so, yeah, then everyone else, you know, is UFA or RFA right now or is UFA or RFA next year? So uh, probably a lot of turnover coming there, I would think. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, the worst worst thing you could see is trade him to a team and have him like flourish. Like, yeah. and, and then you, and then you're retaining salary while he's kind of dominating for his other team. And then you're like, wow, I wish he would have just did what you said and explored whether he can, he can be that elite um, goal scorer that he's been proven to do, you know, fully healthy. So, I mean, cause he's really only had two duds of a, of a season. And those were, were both ones that he was severely injured and didn't play full seasons when he's playing full seasons. I mean, he's, you know, 33 goals is the lowest he's had. Right. You know, 33, 33, 39, 40, 37. I mean, like he, and this isn't like years and years ago. I mean, we're just talking three seasons ago, he was putting up 30 plus goals. Right. And, you know, as I mentioned, he can be uh, a, a great asset for a team, even like Vegas. I mean, they, they need help on the power play. And it seems like a lot of his, you know, a good chunk of his points are coming from the power play as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, hopefully he's got some life to him. Hopefully, uh, as you said, he, he sticks around. I, I would hate to see him leave the Blues, especially if they were going to be eating some of that salary. I mean, I think he's a, a good entity, like as you said, a good face for the franchise, um, especially especially with a lot of change. Um, all right, so let's wrap it up. We got, got a few questions. Um, really just uh, one question. Uh, well, two questions from our top fan, uh, Nephew Barnes. Shout out to Jeremy. I appreciate you. He's always been uh, supporting us since the very beginning. Good dude. Oh, yeah. um, he, so he had a question, and I'm digging it up right now. All right, two. So what big moves do you think Toronto is going to make? Uh, do you really think they're going to move a key piece like Marner? Um, so obviously Spezza uh, just re-signed for a league minimum, and he said he would have played for free. Had yeah. they had they let him, I think that's an awesome move for that team. Um, Jason Spezza had I, uh, one hell of a season with that team, uh, especially playing third and fourth line minutes. They also locked down Wayne Simmons for the next two years. Uh, I believe it was like a 900k AAV. Um, also a good addition to their team to kind of keep that the bottom six gritty and producing. Um, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I I really think that I don't think they're going to move Marner. To put it simply, I I think that would be a dumb move. I don't care how much money he makes. I think Austin Matthews is is kind of the he's he's pulling a lot of the strings in that locker yeah. room, and he's exercised uh, that Marner is like the heart and soul of the team, and that he's kind of his uh, counterpart when it comes to his own success. Right. I, I don't see that happening. I mean, now somebody like Nylander, um you know, or, or like, or, uh, some of these guys that, uh, are, they're producing well, but like, are kind of up for, are going to be due up for a, a big payday. Are they going to pay them? That's, I, I don't see that happening, but to me, I don't know. I, I think that that team feels like they did all the right things and just got, uh, as Mark Stone would say, skunked. Uh, uh and I think that they're going to make another swing with their roster personally. What about you? Yeah. I mean, uh, 
it's, it's if, if you're going to trade a Marner, it's going to be a hockey trade for a similar person, a change of scenery type trade. I feel like similar to like a William Nylander too. You're probably looking at something there, but outside of those guys, it's hard to see moving someone else and making a, a, a big difference personally. That's, that's my take on it. Yeah. I mean, on paper, they made all the right moves and yeah. it, it, it's just, and I mean, to be fair, they lost to the team that's now in the Stanley cup final. So exactly. clearly they weren't the better team as much as we wanted to believe that they would. And as much more exciting of a team they are to watch. Um, I don't think they make very many moves to be honest with you. If anything, it just might be if their backs are literally pressed against the cap and they, right. they, they have to uh, due to a payday, a big payday coming up. Um, his second question, uh, this will be the last question of the podcast is, uh, do you think uh, the golden Knights will pull a true number one center um, or are they going to stick with Chandler Stevenson? Um, and he hinted towards Jack Eichel. Um, and I, I've exercised this loudly on Twitter. I've, I've brought it up a few times, I feel like, in, in previous podcasts. Just the way Vegas <laughs> acts, it's almost like a, but I want it. Like, you know, like a, a stubborn little brat, like how mm. they act in the offseason. It's hard to think that they're not going to try to go for Eichel. Um uh, there's been some major rumors surrounding Patch Ready. Apparently, they tried to move him at trade deadline as yeah. part of, I, I think it might have even been part of them trying to obtain Taylor Hall. Um, so they, they, they've been known to go after the big fish. You know, uh, they make aggressive moves. They, they, they're, they're really trying to lock down the core of their team uh, for, you know, for the foreseeable future. Right. Um, so yeah, with that being said, they got the star goalie or goalies, depending on who sticks and who goes. Because to me, it's obvious that one of them is going to have to be moved. Yeah. Um, and they have Petrangelo, who's playing out of his mind, and he's he's now their 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 star defenseman. And obviously, you have Mark Stone, who's the first captain of the franchise, and he's kind of your star winger. The 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 other missing piece is to have that center, um, which they, William Carlson's great. Um, but he's he's kind of stuck on that that second line, and he he really hasn't been given the opportunity to be that that number one. But even then, I I don't think that's him. I think even Stasny was a closer fit to being like your your top center. Yeah. Um, Chandler Stevenson is a he was a fourth liner for the for the Washington Capitals. He makes three million a year. I mean that's putting three million between you know nearly twenty million worth of wingers on your top line just isn't going to work. Yeah, um, so yeah, I, I see them making a big move. Um, and if it's not going to be a center like Jack Eichel, uh, I, I think they're going to try to make a move for like a, a pure goal scorer, like somebody that can help on the power play. But I, man, it's as a fan, he's just like the, the idea of, of Jack Eichel centering Pacioretty and Mark Stone just gives me a full erection, but yeah. they're going to have to make moves. I mean, they're clearly over the cap now. So yeah. I mean, that's where I'm at. I think they do make a big move, and I, I do think that next season this team's going to look completely different. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to say. I mean, you could easily argue the Canadians are paying, I think, the same that the uh, Knights are down center, and they won. They, I mean, they, they, they're in the cup final. But, um, yeah, I mean, something's got to happen. How you do it, it's another question. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they flip out someone or don't resign, you know, like Alec Martinez, even if you don't want to, to – to, to bring in someone else to to strengthen the, the the center position there but 
Um, yeah, either way, definitely some uh, some movement there. I'd be shocked if there wasn't. So, did we talk about? I, I know it's in the notes, but I don't think I think we skipped over it. Basically, um, Martinez has been playing with a broken foot. Yeah, that's right. He leads the league in block shots, which ironically enough, so Petrangelo's in second place underneath him. So I, I imagine the Knights are going to do everything they can to keep him, but at what cost? You know, exactly. he's exactly. is he is he going to want a um, a pay raise? Like, is he going to want to make more money? This is his last. This is theoretically his last big contract in the league, right? Um, or is he just want to win again? You know, is he happy here in Vegas? Like, does he want to stick around? I mean, the dude clearly has the ambition to win because he, he they were freezing his foot and shoving it in a boot. He wasn't even practicing. And then somebody brought up that he, they had like another plastic protection around his boot, like his skate, um, yeah. just to kind of help give a little bit more cushion when he's blocking these shots, which is crazy. I mean, the dude's a warrior. OB sticks around. Um, but yeah, just to conclude that, I, I, I truthfully think that we're going to see a completely different team. I think that they're they're frustrated with their forwards as they should be, and something's got to change. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, I I, I agree. But uh, yeah, I mean, we still have you know what? I, I don't even know when the true free agency period is this year because uh, of the the season. Uh, let me see if I can find that out really quick. Um, yeah, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, uh yeah, here we go. So July twenty eighth, new basically. 12 noon, 9 a.m. Eastern. So wow, you know, <laughs> it's it's four, coming up four weeks out from today. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, and that's why we're seeing teams announce these signings right now. It's yeah. like it's just a crazy time to overlapping here with the Stanley Cup final. Um, all right, so yeah, my uh, I you tend to avoid the predictions. Um, you said you're going to go with the under, uh, which I. I don't think I agree with. I think that the Habs are going to come out swinging, and I think that if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to find the back of the net. Um, so I'm going to say the over. Uh, I, I, and I also think it's it's hard to go against the the Bolts, man. I think they pull out a, a 2-0 series lead. I, I saw that they just announced that they're going to be full capacity, yeah. and hopefully by the time they go up to Montreal, Montreal would have upped their capacity. Because, oh, man, we, we'll end it with this. You saw the prices, right? For like, yeah, yeah, nuts. For it was eleven like, grand Canadian for a pair. Yeah, eleven grand to get into the game. They're only allowing what twenty five hundred, and I think, they're thir- to- I think thirty five hundred, and yeah. Okay, and they're trying to up it to ten, so that hopefully, like, they can actually get a good hockey environment. Because, like, if this is the first time they've been to the Stanley Cup final, or yeah, since since they won, so since ninety since ninety three, that a lot of these fans haven't even seen this kind of playoff intensity. So hopefully they can get in the building. Um, game two tonight, I'm going to say bolts, and I'm going to say high scoring. Uh, are you going to give a prediction or no? Uh, like I said, I think it's going to be 3-2, 2-1 tight game tonight. It's the, I think Montreal's system, systemic play is going to come back into effect. I think it's going to be low scoring. It's going to be a tight game. And I think it's going to be either overtime or one goal win in uh, regulation either way. Or re- regulation... Overtime for either team, I guess I should say. Okay, cool. Well, we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, checking out the podcast again. You can find us at fourthlinegoon.com, fourthlinegoon on on uh, TikTok, all that bullshit. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, next time we chat with you guys, I'm I'm assuming we'll be a little bit further into the playoffs or uh, into the series, and we'll we'll have a more clear cut 
idea. So yeah, if you guys have any uh, questions, make sure you hit us up um, uh, at the Tyler Cash on Twitter and Instagram. Tommy, leave us with uh, with your handles. Yeah, so pretty much just uh, what at TWG1992 Twitter, um, Instagram, what at Thomas.goff. Uh, best two ways, pretty much the two platforms I'm, I think I'm only somewhat active on at all. But um, yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, wrap this up. You know, looking forward to, to game two tonight. A little bit more hockey uh, here in July. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll see who ends up with the cup here probably. And we'll talk after that. So I think other than that, we're all set. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. Cheers, everybody. Later, everyone.